everyone, welcome back to the Snakes Cast. Today is Monday, and with me once again is Mr. Todd Campbell. Hello. Hello. And this week we're going to be talking about games where you either build something or grow it. So what do we mean by this? Um, where you're building buildings, or in one case, for example, stained glass windows, or also <laughs> growing plants or some such. So we'll just kind of get into it as we go. A couple of games that we're not going to mention that sort of deserve honourable mentions, I guess, as we ca- as we go. Uh, Bonanza, um, which is the amazing bean trading and growing game that we have talked about a couple of times over the last couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. So we're not going to uh, go on to that again. And also Agricola, which I feel like a lot of people will say, but you grow stuff in Agricola. And yes, you absolutely do. But it's not much as feeding your people is critical. It's not really the central mechanism of the game. There's so much more around it. So we're, we're leaving it because we're focusing on things where it's more central. Um, So just figured we should get those out of the way. But I'd like to start with a game that I just played for the first time recently that's an old game that just got a re-release but I think it's great and that's Manhattan. Yes, Manhattan. Fantastic little game. What's this game about? Tell us about it. So essentially what you're doing in Manhattan is you are building buildings on this this little grid. There's going to be several different cities on the board and on your turn you're going to play a card from your hand which will show you where you can build your building within a city block. Uh, And uh, when you play your card, you're always going to be placing it in relation to how the card appears uh, from your point of view. Right. So the card will will, uh, uh, show me like the top left corner, but it's the top left corner of that block from my perspective looking at the table. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's very interesting. And uh, you're going to get points after after everyone's played six buildings. We're going to score. You get points for having the tallest building, points for having the most buildings in in an area, uh, points for each of your buildings in the area. Yeah. And this is, I I think, is an interesting one because it's one of those games where you actually want to be sitting on four sides of a table, ideally, because each person is meant to be on one side of the board so that they have that perspective of the card. Yes. Um, or if you're sitting two on each side of a table, then you probably want to play with the board kind of on a diamond, you know, sort of 45 yes. degrees tilted so that you get that perspective. And not many games play with that, but actually I really mm-hmm. enjoy the way this does. Yeah. And then the idea with this is that you can't place... You can place on top of any building as long as you would end up with an equal or larger number of floors built into that building than any other player that's in it. Yes. Which I think is such an interesting mechanism because you mm. can get to that point where, you know, it's a it's a two to four player game, but if you're playing with four players, two players now can't place on that building at all. Mm-hmm. It's become a fight between the other two because there's so <laughs> many floors on and they miss their chance to get in on it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you also have that opportunity to miss your chance to add to a building because you just don't draw a card that points to that section of the grid. That is true. And I think it's it's a very light game which some of the ones we'll come on to later in the week, of course, as is our pattern, won't be. But this one, it's it's a very, very quick thing. You can play in, what, probably about 20 minutes. Yeah, maybe 20, 30 minutes. And, and simple. So simple to learn. Yeah. Uh, have you played it with less than four players? I have actually only played it with two. Oh, okay. Uh, and I really enjoy it. It's interesting then because you take two colors mm-hmm. each and play with slightly more buildings per round than you usually would do. And you're, are you playing each color as a side of the board? No, you're playing from your side of the board, okay. but you are playing each color individually. So I mm. choose 
but you, know, don't, you don't have to play back and forth. I choose each time I place a thing which color I want to place, right. and you add both of your scores together to get your final score at the end oh, of the game. Nice. Um, but it's interesting. I've played uh, a few games now, and I tend to find that, for example, um, purple and orange might continuously end up fighting each other, and mm-hmm. blue and yellow, because I think you're not splitting focus as much as you might do with four players. Right, right. Uh, I think it would be a very different game with four, so mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to trying that. Uh, another game that you grow stuff in is Santiago. Are you familiar with Santiago? I have played it once a very long time ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yes, it's you're absolutely right. You definitely grow things and you irrigate. And there's a guy who decides where the irrigation goes. And that's all I remember. So you take this one. Yeah, so essentially <laughs> you're going to be... Um, it, it's an auction game to a certain extent. Right. Each round we're going to uh, uh, decide how many pesos we're going to, to pledge to become the first player. First player gets first choice of field, and then you'll there'll be uh, a number of field tokens set up, which will show you what type of, of uh, crop you're going to be growing and how many workers will be on each of those crop tiles. Uh, uh, when you take your tile, you place it somewhere on the board, and what you're trying to do is you're trying to link the same crops together, because at the end of the game, you get to multiply the number of crops you have in, let's say, chilies, by the number of workers you have working those fields. So if I have six chilies and three workers, I get 18 points for that field. Uh, the person who, who bet the least amount of money becomes the water bearer. And the water bearer is going to decide where we're going to draw water from the central fountain. Uh, hmm. But before they decide, you can bribe them. Right. So there's a lot of bribery going on. If they get a bribe and they don't want to take it, they'd rather run the water somewhere else, then they have to pay the bank a bigger bribe, essentially. Right. I remember yeah. this now, yeah. I so enjoyed that. It's great. It, it can be very cutthroat. Yes. It can be a very mean-spirited game, which I enjoy quite a bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, it's definitely something not everybody in my gaming group would want to play, but I got quite a kick out of it, actually. Yeah. Um, I must, and you, Thank you for reminding me about it. I must bring that up. I'm going to go back to another... That was a slightly older game. I'm going to go back to another newer game that is just tearing it up right now in terms of popularity, and that's Sagrada. Oh, one of my favorites. I want to buy this, and I can't find a copy of it anywhere for love or money, but (laughs) oh my goodness, is this good. Mm -hmm. Uh, And this is the stained glass window game I was talking about earlier. We've talked about it relatively recently, but I think only once. So um, the brief version of this is you each get a, a beautiful stained glass board. Uh, not real stained glass cardboard, obviously, but it has a section at the bottom that is an incomplete window that has 20 spaces that you get to put dice in, and they're these beautiful translucent coloured dice. Mm-hmm. And you get a pattern that you have to kind of base your construction around that will say certain colours have to go here, certain values of dice have to go here, and then you roll the dice and draft them in the same way for anyone who knows it that you uh, place your initial settlements in Catan. Uh, which is to say you start with the first player, go clockwise around the table, and when you get to the last person, they get a second turn, and then it comes back. Mm-hmm. And that's one round of the game. And you do this ten times and try to complete your stained glass window whilst scoring based on three criteria um, that are pulled out based upon the... the uh, uh, bleh, scoring based on criteria that are pulled out of a deck, so you're going to have a different scoring system every time you play this game. Yes. Uh, and you also have tools that let you break the rules, um, but you're sacrificing free points essentially in order to do that. But they might get you more points, and it's just great, isn't it? It is fantastic. And one of the things that makes it so challenging is that you cannot place the same number or color orthogonally adjacent to itself on the board, right? Which makes each of your dice drafting uh, uh, turns 
agonizing yeah. as you try to figure out which dice you can place in your window. You also lose points if you don't fill your window up by the end of the game. Yes. So uh, uh, placement is key. Uh, this one, it, I think what I love about it is the theme is so weird. I love right. I love unique themes. Like if this was about putting uh, uh, you know houses in your medieval village, I don't think we would be talking about it because that makes sense. Because it's building a stained glass window. When are you ever going to play a game about building a stained glass window? Seriously, <laughs> that's true. That's very true. Um, and often at the cafe, I will sell people on the game just by saying you're building a stained glass window, and they're like, "Yeah, I want to build a stained glass window. Who doesn't want to build a stained glass window?" Which is so ironic, given that one of the most popular games of the last couple of years has been Patchwork, and yet actually getting people to take that to a table is really difficult because telling them that they're about to play a game about competitive quilting <laughs> but competitive stained glass window building everybody wants to it's wonderful yeah, um, yeah. it is also if you disregard the box art is extremely attractive um, the box mm-hmm. art I don't mean the cover by any means uh, what I'm referring to there is the back of the box where it makes the dice look opaque it mm. looks the the gems that you spend to use the tools are right. like opaque white they're not the beautiful translucent kind of glass gems they are the game is way more attractive out of the box than the Mm. back of the box makes it look but the cover is beautiful the cover is stunning Um, all the artwork in this game actually is stunning with Mm. the exception of that Uh, it's more graphic design I guess on the the back of the box but it is it's such a stunning box and I I didn't realise recently it's based on um, the Sagrada Sagrada obviously means sacred in in Spanish, and it mm-hmm. refers to a cathedral in Barcelona that's been under construction for something like two hundred and fifty years <laughs> and still hasn't been finished yet. Amazing. They're still building it, and I think they've just put started putting some windows in recently. Or something. <laughs> like it's kind of crazy the story behind it. I was listening to another podcast; they were talking about it, mm-hmm. um, the one player podcast, I think, and it was just such an interesting thing to hear because mm-hmm. I hadn't I I haven't read the rule book for this. I was taught the game, and honestly, I've never bothered to read it. So there may be some story about it there, right? Um, but if there is, I hadn't seen it previously. But I just thought that was kind of cool that is neat there's another building game that i've heard of i haven't played it yet uh, mm-hmm. but i've heard it's quite popular called topiary right well this is more on the growth side of things i've played this a few times now and i really really enjoy it mm-hmm. it's a gr- it's competitive hedge looking yes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah if you're talking about strange themes yes it is <laughs> the great thing about this is you can play a game of it in 10 minutes flat oh great with two players at least I, again i haven't played it with more than that i play mostly two player at the moment mm-hmm. But the idea of this one is it's a grid manipulation game uh, by which I mean to say you have a five by five grid of face down tiles except for the one in the middle Mm -hmm. uh, and you have three in your hand and what you're doing on your turn is simply you place a meeple anywhere on the outside looking down a row down a diagonal or down a column and any one tile that is face down that that meeple can see you take off the board and replace with one of the three that's in your hand. And all of these tiles are different topiary designs. So you have a swan, you have a D20, um, <laughs> you have like a spike, just like a, a long, very pointy tree. Uh, there's a T-Rex, there's an elephant, all this kind of thing. And what you're trying to do is um, they scale. So there's an elephant five, which is the biggest elephant. And there's a one elephant, which is the smallest one. Right. And you want the meeple uh, on the outside of the grid to be next to a small one and be looking down the line at ever-increasing size of topiary tree oh nice because they can't see if i have one four three five they can't see the three because the four is taller right 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 and the cool thing about this one is if you can see multiple topiaries of the same type they go up in value so if i can see one three and it's a swan and a d20 
I'm going to get four points, one plus three. Mm-hmm. If I can see one, three, and they're both d20s, I'm going to get six points because they each go up in point value by one. Oh, nice, nice. You play a number of meeples out based upon the number of players in the game. Right. So, for example, in a two-player game, you play eight meeples each, which is the maximum. So you're going to swap out 16 tiles. And at the end of that, you score up. And you also get a bonus point uh, if you have, for example, a three swan in your hand and one of your people can see a four or a five, so a higher value swan. You score mm-hmm. the three points for the one that's in your hand. Oh, excellent. Uh, and that's it. That's the entire. I've just explained the entire game in probably about... Well, longer because I'm talking over a podcast. But <laughs> if I was doing that on a table, I could explain it to you in about 45 seconds and you would know roughly how to play. And it's great. Wow. It's a really, really smart little game. Uh, you can play it in 10 minutes mm-hmm. and maybe go around and play it again or just use it as a breather between things. And I love it. And it's it's really, really smart. Uh, very simple. Not something you want it as a filler game. Right. You're never going to want to go in and make that your main game unless you're only interested in that base level of things. Mm-hmm. But it does what it does really well, I think. I had to give that a shot. And the other interesting thing about Topiary is it has some things in common with a couple of games that we're going to come on to talk about on Wednesday that are, they they kind of base themselves off similar ideas, uh, but are more complex. So join us again on Wednesday to hear what those are and to hear some more games about growing or building things. See you then. Bye for now. (laughs) 